Coming up this hour, what does the disunity of the church do to evangelism? And then, time to vent, we're going to go with Grinds My Gears. Is Chris Pratt being canceled? And later, why do women read the Bible more than men? You're listening to The Common Good. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Happy Wednesday, Aubrey. What do we call Wednesday? Hump Day! It is Hump Day. It is also the middle of February outside Seriously, today. it's winter in Chicago. It's Christmas time! It's, I know that we we just have to go, it's spring, it's Chicago, we should be ready for anything. I'm ready for wet and rainy. Yep. Frost warning? Frost like warning. 40 degrees? Get the winter hat out. Well, I was helping my daughter find her winter hat this no, morning. I know. Kevin and I were watching a show last night, like on live TV, which we rarely do. And it that dinosaurs came, that came across <laughs> like it said something like in a freeze warning in Chicago, and I was like, "Are we watching a rerun?" And he's like, "He's like, this is actual this weather is now." Have you ever been thrown by uh, you are watching something that you've recorded, and <laughs> and like a, a storm warning will come up, and, you're all, and then you're like, "Oh, oh, oh, wait a minute, that was that four, was months, four ago. months ago." Yeah, yeah totally. But so yeah. put the fire, put a log on the fireplace tonight. Apparently. Here we go. It is every every spring in Chicago we we get surprised by this. I turn the air conditioner on on Saturday, air conditioning on on Saturday, the heat on on Sunday and who knows where we're heading from here. But we are glad that you're with us today and if you miss any of the show, go find our podcast wherever it is, get your podcast, subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com and Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, where are Social media water cooler question for the week is up right now. That is at Common Good Talk. You came up with the question this week. It's a good one. People yeah, are people going. are really diving into it. The question for the week is: um, Tell us a song that makes you think of a life event, but it can't be a wedding. And so people are bringing up graduations, even funerals, uh, difficult times when they're in the hospital. It's actually become a more meaningful question that I expected. I can't wait to share it with everybody. Yeah, tomorrow. so we're going to do that tomorrow. So you've got time to weigh in. Uh, if you've been around the common good very long, you know, one of the things that we want, uh, that we long to, uh, talk about, but also hopefully be a part of is the health of the church. Aubrey and I are both pastors and we love the local church and we want to see the local church flourish. Uh, and so Aubrey, I want to start there this morning with, uh, this afternoon with just this, uh, title, Tom Rainer over at Church Answers wrote this disunity in the church and among Christians destroys evangelism. Mm. It does, That's a big phrase yeah. that not affects, not hinders. Mm. He says the disunity of the church and among Christians destroys our evangelism. Mm. We mentioned many times, including yesterday, you have a master's degree in evangelism. I am You're a, a master a of evangelism. All of a sudden I'm seeing Les Mis in my head. <laughs> <laughs> master of the house. Uh, master of evangelism. Do you agree what he says? That disunity in the church and among Christians, so individual Christian fighting and yeah. disunity, church disunity uh, destroys evangelism. Uh, think about that. What do you think about that from Tom Rainer? I mean, I certainly think it destroys our witness, mm-hmm. right? Like if, if, if part of evangelism is being witnesses or de- kind of bearing witness to the good news of Jesus— certainly doesn't look good 
uh, when there's so much infighting within the church and it's happening so publicly on social media. And when, you know, scripture talks about how they will know us by our love and Jesus's mm-hmm. famous prayer about, you know, the unity in the church, just as he and the father are unified, we are called to be unified. Certainly, um, is certainly our disunity in the church fighting against one another is not a good look. Mm-hmm. You could say that. And I think the difficult thing is it seems like we're only getting more and more divided on things um, that I, I hope we can find our way back from, but mm-hmm. it seems like issues have become main issues. And now there's like, this is part of why people left churches in the yeah. middle of the pandemic and church splits have happened. And I hope we can find our way back to healing for our own sake, but also for what this Tom Rainer is talking about, right. which is our witness into the world. And I think he's going to take this both ways. He's going to say people outside the church are like, well, what's the difference there? Why would I want to be a part of that? Right. <clears throat> His other point that I hadn't thought of is, uh, let's say you and I are in a church together yeah. and we're completely just arguing about yeah. Worship music style, right. the color of the carpeting, right. whatever else it might be. You know what? We're not thinking about mission. Mm. We lose. So I think it's a double edged sword here. I think it, it, like you said, affects our witness. Yeah. But it also takes us our, our eyes off the prize, That's if you will, so off true, the target. Yeah. Tim Keller, he also had a tweet that goes along with this. Tell me what you think about this. Tim Keller wrote uh, churches must not maintain unity at the expense of the gospel. Churches should not destroy unity or fellowship over political differences. So he says hmm. uh, the gospel is a reason to have disunity. It's a reason for breaking fellowship. But political differences should not cause disunity. Uh, I have a follow-up question about this one, but you said this is interesting. Go uh, tell me why. Yeah, I, let me unpack it a little bit because Keller's so smart. Sometimes he's so <laughs> dense it takes me a minute to come like, oh, what is he saying here? Churches must not maintain unity at the expense of the gospel. Churches should not destroy unity or fellowship over political di- differences. So he's almost saying two different things here. Like if the gospel's being, um, I mean, you can't destroy the gospel. If I guess if the gospel is being threatened mm-hmm, in your church, mm-hmm. Just staying together for the sake of unity is right. not the most important thing. It should be the other way around. Like the gospel is what unifies us, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but also he's saying political differences are not a reason to destroy unity. Like that's not big enough. Like that's the right. only thing big enough is the gospel. So, uh, so, anyway, go ahead. Brian. No, I think that's great. I think I saw some people pushing back on this yeah. tweet with this question. Uh, they Let's see how I read this earlier. Somebody said... Um, that's really easy to say when you just kind of make this generic political differences, quote unquote. But but what are those things? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's one thing to say you vote for somebody and I vote for somebody else. Right. But does abortion fall under this? Does right. uh, issues of sexuality? Right. Does uh, immigration? Are those reasons to break unity? And I we can let Tim Keller speak for himself. Yeah, I think certainly. we know him well enough to know. But what do you think about that? Uh, some people like to just call those quote unquote culture war mm-hmm. issues and therefore don't break unity. But you and I've spoken, especially over mm-hmm. something like abortion, like, no, this is a hill to die on. Yeah. So how do we even think this through when it gets to specifics? Yeah, this is kind of complicated because if I was part of a church and the pastor began saying that church was like pro-choice, mm-hmm. meaning pro-abortion, I would 
be hard pressed to stay in that church. Like that would be a moment where I would say, oh, we don't align on like some fundamental theological issues here. So I'm out. There are other issues like that where I would say, oh, we can't. But I but I don't there are this is where it gets complicated because I don't think you have to be at a church where you agree with everything your pastor says or does. And I don't think you have to be at a church where you even vote the same way your pastor does. Agreed. But there, I guess there is a difference when the church starts saying, this is our policy. This is our doctrine. This is our belief. That's when it becomes an issue of, can I stay here or can I Mm -hmm. not? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't want to, I'm not one to typically say like decide for yourself because that's so individual. But I do think if it goes against your conscience and it goes against the word of God, like that's an obvious, that's an obvious moment to say, oh, this isn't a godly church anymore. I'm out. Yeah. I think the wrestling with it is this, this is complicated. Yeah. It's one thing to say, just don't, don't separate over politics. And you and I've said that more than enough here on the show to know what we believe about that. And, but, but when it gets down to things that are, strongly held mm-hmm. and important sometimes that is and i think you are right you've got to make those calls for yourself gospel we don't we don't choose unity over gospel yeah right yeah. we don't choose yeah. unity over uh theological orthodoxy yeah. but what do we choose unity over i think is something we all have to wrestle with because i do think tom rainer's right disunity in the church it's why jesus prayed for it in john 17 right, right. that's what he prayed for yeah. for us that we would be unified so how what mm-hmm. does that look like. All right, Aubrey, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. So a publication called Sojourners is a really reputable publication. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Uh, and so it, pe- many people were very surprised by a um, a book review that came out the other day around a book called Rethink Sex. It's called Rethinking Sex. And uh, the title of the of the review says this, we can rethink sex without reviving purity culture. So it's like, oh, okay, this could be yeah, interesting. What sure. is this? I don't at all want to dive into the book. I want you okay. I want to read for you uh, it's a very long review by somebody named Jennifer Martin. Okay. And I want to read for you her description of herself in the midst of this. Okay. I'm ready to hear it. And then I just want you to respond. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. So she has talked about the book and the book all here she goes. And then she says this today. I identify as a polyamorous Christian or a Christian who happens to have multiple partners, including two who live with me and my children to arrive here. I've had to reexamine the intersection of sex and faith and what it means to have ethical sex. She then goes on to say that she was raised in a fundamentalist Christian home in which she was expected to maintain my purity until marriage. And then she says, ultimately, my husband and I found love outside our marriage while still maintaining love inside our marriage. We did this while also maintaining our deeply held faith. At the end, so in her bio, it says Jennifer Martin is a dirtbag Christian and a polyamorous writer living in Richmond, Virginia, with two of her three partners and two children. Two of three. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to stop there. So I'm not even wanting to have a conversation about the book. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure the book is fascinating. (laughs) I'm sure the book is interesting. Uh, But when when I read this, I thought to myself... I want to. I want to hear what Aubrey has to say about this. So, the concept. <laughs> Sorry, let's move this laughing. away from Jennifer Martin. Yeah, because we don't know her. We, we don't, don't want her. to besmirch her. You're right. You're right. 
But just the two word, I called it before the break, I called it an oxymoron, an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp, right? Two words that are opposites of each other. Yep. Polyamorous Christian. Yep. And then going into just the defense of it. Right. Like, I do want to have a little bit of fun with this, but also I want to call this huge red flag for what's going on in the church. I mean, I like almost don't have words, Brian, because it's so... It's so self-deceived. One, you cannot be a polyamorous Christian, period. Mm -hmm. Like Christianity calls for either celibacy or sex with one partner within marriage. Mm -hmm. That's the teaching of Jesus in the Bible. I know people don't like it because it calls for self-sacrifice. You can't be a polyamorous Christian. I'm sorry. You can be loved by God. You can be forgiven. You can be grace. But you are not going to experience the fullness of a faithful life if you're living in polyamory. I'm sorry. Like, God is not going to bless that. Mm. And I, I I, think the part that's so self-deceived is this line. And again, we're not trying to tear her down. We don't know her. She's, you know, she's doing the best she can at the end of the day. But that her traditional sexual ethics led to oppressed parts of her that often fell in love with other people. One, that's not love. That's mm. less than that's attraction. And oppression... Uh, is like we are called to self-sacrifice i'm sorry like i know we don't want to hear that anymore in this generation but it's like nobody is willing to say oh what if i don't give into my basis desires what if instead i choose to take up my cross and live a sacrificial life like jesus did what if god will bless that instead of me just being free to like oh everyone i fall in love with everyone i'm attracted to i'm gonna have sex with It, it I think this is what's weird to me too, Brian, and I'm just going to speak very adult here. I wish Christian adults could admit I'm attracted to that person. I'm attracted to that person. I'm attracted to that person. God made me a human being. So Mm. I'm attracted to someone that does not mean you act on it. That doesn't mean you have, this is actually part of why, like I think pastors have had problems uh, with women that they've worked with because we can't, it's not okay to just even admit like we're sexual creatures. We're attracted to each other. Like just say that, But just know because of our vows to the Lord, like anything beyond that's off the table. We're not going to act on it because our commitment to Jesus is stronger. And I just wish we could sort of normalize attraction without Mm. making it have to be. Now I will act on it because when you act on it, that is sin, period, Mm. especially if you're a married person. So there's this. Anyway, it's just it's ridiculous. I knew I could get you with this one. I knew I could get you this one. Uh, I want to read a phrase that I think highlights the problem with this and the problem with this trajectory of even thought. She says later on people, including adults, I'm surprised that need to. Make that parentheses, but people, including adults, need a comprehensive sex education that centers not only birth control and consent, but also emotional well-being and the ability to advocate for our own wants to others and ourselves. When everything's about my wants and my desires, that is how many times does the Bible speak against it, right? Like just... Follow your wants. It's all about your own personal well-being. It's all about this. Can I be really practical about this? Please. I can feel like I'm old and naive at times. I'm going to be 45. One week from today, I'm right in my mid-40s, okay? May the fourth be with you. There you go. Uh, So uh, forgive me out there if you think I'm out of touch on what I'm about to say. Yeah. I cannot fathom that a polyamorous marriage is going to end well. That is going to go. There's no way. Awfully. There's there no is way. not a chance in the world. But Aubrey, I think what you're saying here is really important. 
when the when the sexual ethics of our culture are pervade are going into the church yeah. more than yeah. the biblical ethics of sexuality yeah. Yeah. are pervading the church. Yeah. The church is going to have a huge problems. And we see this happening not just here, but with issues of pornography, with yeah. issues of sexuality, all sorts of ways. Yeah. So, yes, we're having a little bit of fun with this, but this is actually a huge deal. It's and I don't scary. understand why Sojourner, why Sojourners would put this in their publication. Uh, yeah, I don't either. This it, worries me about where Sojourners this is This is going. an endorsement. Right. When, when, you, yep. when you have a writer writing yep. a review yep. of a book from this perspective, you're saying we agree with this as yeah. a publication. And, man, there's so many problematic natures to this. It's it's really dumbfounding. I, I think the other thing, what people forget, too, in this conversation, especially when I hear like, I mean, you don't hear this a lot, but more and more you it's feminist to be polyamorous. Do you know that Jesus actually called people to one spouse because in biblical times, men were taking on polyamory as mm-hmm. many women as they could as like cattle, as like objects. And so Jesus said, no. Women are to be treated as equals. You are to dignify the women in your life, and therefore you will have one spouse that you honor. And the same was true for women. You will have one spouse that you honor. And I think we forget that that was actually empowering women Mm. in that culture. That was actually a form of feminism. But instead, we've turned these twisted, sinful things and said that's empowering. And I I just think the enemy is deceiving so many people especially when it comes to sex, especially when it comes to identity right now, Mm. because once, like you just said, once we're saying all of my sinful basis desires are the thing that guide me. And I'm going to call that Christian. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the definition of sin right there. And you're right. Let's say, let's take Christianity out of it. Let's say Kevin and I aren't Christians. If I were to say to my husband of 21 years, Hey, I'd like to bring in a partner or two. He'd be like, I'm out. Like this isn't going to work. Like, there's no, you're right. And Brian, I think you can say you have 21, 22 years of 22. marriage. Yeah. At this point, like you have a successful marriage because you've never asked your wife to like bring somebody else in. <laughs> that would be you know one what of I'm the saying? Reasons. Like, come yes. on, come yes. on. And the last thing I would say is this. She almost sets up in this article that to reject things like this, wanting our wants and this and that is just going back to a form of what she called a quote, woke form of purity culture. There were problems with purity culture. Yes, there were. But if we're going to say rejecting polyamorous relationships <laughs> under the of Christians is purity, is purity cu- culture, no. sign me up as a purity culture that's, guy. I, then. That's, I mean, I'm going way back to like recording again. If sign that's me the like, Joshua Harris off the sidelines. Yeah, Here right. we go. All right. Thanks for getting that wow, off our that? chest. Uh, Sojourners, there you go. Polyamorous Christians is is where we're heading now. So yes, we need to reject that with all that we have and Aubrey that music only means one thing Uh, I love the aggression of that music because sometimes we just need to vent about things and here on the common good the way that we do that is through a little thing we call grinds my gears and here's the background of grinds my gears there are annoyances that we have to get off of our chest these aren't the biggest things in the world. Right. This is not a uh, world hunger. This is not, I'm, you know, what gr- obviously what grinds our gears is the war in the Ukraine. But that's not the point yes. of this segment. Yes. Instead, it's just little things that when you when when you're they happen around you, you're like, 
that's like nails on a chalkboard, or yeah. I just want yeah. to yeah. vent about this. And when we don't vent about these things, then they just annoy us more and more, and we get angry and angry. So we've got a microphone. We get to vent. Yeah, this is healthy venting. You're starting to enjoy this. I, I like it quite a bit, actually. What I would like people to know is that my my old co-host, Ian Simpkins, <laughs> was so bad at this segment that we almost got rid of it, because he would always say things like, you know what grinds my gears is how much I love my family, or... <laughs> You know what grinds my gears is just how cute puppies are. Oh, Ian. And, you're like, and no, I'm like, no, no, no. And I, and I would be like, you know what grinds my gears is that guy who flicked me off on the highway. Or what's the 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 one that we always go back to is the dogs time I vented on dogs and strollers. The best one ever. But then we brought Aubrey onto the show. Ian moved away. Aubrey came on the show and she gets it. A like real she's got, cynic, Aubrey is. She's got it. She's got a lot vent uh, inside that she uh, needs to get out. I do. I do. And so we're going to do that. Okay. You know, uh, let's tell people my favorite daily restaurant spot to write in. Oh, it is Panera Bread Company. I go to Panera all the time. And now even more so because until the July the 4th, you could get free iced teas, which is, I mean, that could be the greatest Christmas gift anybody ever got me. Just I could go in and not feel any guilt for getting my iced tea. And so I was at Panera yesterday just doing some work, right? Just doing some work. Okay. Trying to knock out some church things, getting ready for an elder meeting. And I usually have headphones on, yeah. listening to a podcast or whatever else it might be. But Wait, also, pause. You can work while you're listening to like a podcast or music in uh, the background. Not only can I, I work better. Okay, I know. I'm, and some people can do that. I need total silence. So it's always fascinating to me. And I didn't mean to get you off track. No, no, no. I just, in reality, me. Uh, for me, the more the more I need to think, or the like, the more like mm-hmm. if I'm writing a sermon, mm-hmm. the more I need to be around people. You need like background noise. I do. Interesting. I do. Okay. And so now there are times if I'm trying to really write an yeah. email, I'll hit pause on you know whatever yeah. I'm listening to. Yeah. But anyway, all right. So I'm at Panera, okay. and I can hear somebody like I'm not. It's middle of the day. It's like three o'clock. So yeah. there's not the lunch crowd's not there. There's not that many people okay. there. It's okay. just people working. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what is going on? Like, what's happening behind me? So I take out my headphones. And here's what gets me, Aubrey. Like, I understand. I'm first in line here. I like to work in coffee shops. I like to work in Panera. I like to use the free Wi-Fi, get a drink, be out and about. But you're a bad person if you take a business or phone call or a personal phone call that is in excess of a half hour Absolutely. or 45 Absolutely minutes. You and are. you're talking like there's nobody else Stop. in the restaurant. That was happening? Yes, it was. No. So, And I see this happening more and more often. People having phone conversations as if nobody else is around them. And now let me even add some context okay, to it. Okay, okay. This was clearly a business phone call this guy was on. And it almost felt like he wanted us to hear what he was saying. Oh, interesting. He was talking in words like, well, what about if it was a million? Stop. And I was like. Stop. And he it used was the word, fake. I he used he the word JP Morgan. No. Uh, and you're just it. like, I don't think he was, but you're like. Here's here's my here's what I want to say. If you are out working at a Panera, yeah. at a Starbucks, yeah. at a coffee shop, whatever else it might be, or you're out in a restaurant just enjoying your yeah. evening, you get a phone call. Right. Either ignore it. Right. Or leave. Or go outside. Exactly. Go outside. Yes. Go sit in your car. Yes. 
go find somewhere else to be. The level that this guy was talking at for the amount of time he was talking. But I don't know if you find this. This happens all the time now. It seems to me that a guy like that needs to go get like a co-working space and work there where it's acceptable to work. And people understand that you're working and you might like, you you know, you want to be you want to be around people who are also working but that's not a Panera is not a co-working space. No, it's not. People might go there to work quietly on their computers. Starbucks, like you said, that is not. A, yeah, no, I, I don't understand that. And I, I, I think the guy was faking it for attention. I, I think I could get on the phone and I could be like, oh, Billion, tell Musk that I'll call him when I have time. And it would just be to get attention. I don't I think it's rude. There's no etiquette. Just about And it's happening more. I know I probably work in these types. Of, I probably work in these places that more than you do. Yeah, you do. That's true. It's happening all. You'll be in a crowded coffee shop. Yeah. And the person at table over is having like a normal. Like when I get on the phone, I'm like, hey, I'm going to get a coffee shop. Yeah, I'll, be I'll call you back. Like normal volume for a long amount of time, like <laughs> nobody else is around them. And you're like, That's ridiculous. I-, I just want to be like, you're yeah. a bad person. Yeah. You're an inconsiderate you're bad- yes. person. You're an inconsiderate person. And just go step outside. That's all you got to do. Just or go if step it's cold outside. out, go sit in your car yep. or tell the person you're going to call yep. them back. Or text them. That's the th- amazing thing about digital technology in this day and age. You can chat yeah. with somebody. Can't trade a million dollars over text. <laughs> uh, JP Morgan, blah, blah, blah. He's lying. He's a liar right there. Yep. yep. All <laughs> All right, that's mine. Thank okay, you. That felt good. That's a good one. Okay. Really, I, the fast good thing when it happened yesterday, I yeah. thought to myself, grinds my gears. Can't wait. Yeah, I can't, can't wait. wait. That's true. That's the one good thing about these things happening. We can talk about them on the air. I hope you're listening, sir. Step outside with your phone. Okay, Brian, here's what you know I've talked to you about what grinds my gears is the non apology apology you have before. About that. Like, I'm so sorry you got hurt, like that kind of thing. This is similar. This actually happened to me recently. Where this is what I don't like. No offense, but blah, 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 blah. blah. Uh, so yes. someone recently said to me, no offense, but I don't like Christian books and Christian publishing. And I was like, one, I totally get that. Two, I do take offense. I take offense. Like, that's <laughs> like the industry I'm in. So just don't say no offense. I think it's like the no offense is meant to like be the non-apology apology. Like I'm about to insult you and offend you, but I'm going to say no offense first. So then like I'm covered. The no offense always means that there's an offense coming. Yes, offense is about to come. That is 100% of the time. Right. Because it's always no offense, but. Right. (laughs) Totally. It's 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 never never like, no offense, you look so great today. No offense. (laughs) I love Christian authors and (laughs) Christian publishing. (laughs) Right. No offense at all. Right. No, it's like actually an offense. Don't even start with no offense. Just say, hey, I'm about to offend you. Just want want to allow you to prepare yourself. Right. Here I go with my book. Right. I hate your book and I hate who you are. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't like that. Okay. Here's another one, Brian. Oh, you got two. I do. And this happened to me last night in the middle of the night. This is probably a stereotypical grinds my gears, but because I live with so many boys in my home. I just feel the need to vent about this. I've told you before, they eat all my food, so I have to hide my food. Eat all my food. The other thing they don't do is they don't replace the toilet paper rolls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, middle of the night, I'm sorry to be grotesque for people who don't like this kind of talk, but, like, I had to go to the bathroom. I get up to go to the bathroom, and guess what? There's not any in my bathroom. There's not any toilet paper. And it's because my son used our bathroom before bed and decided he didn't have to replace it. 
And this, I have said to my kids so many times, if you're the last one or if you're close to the last one, because they do that trick where they're like, oh, I'll just leave like a little film of yep. toilet paper. Yep. And then yep. I don't have, no, just go get the toilet paper and replace it. That's good. Put, well, for put. the love of God. Did you hear what you also did there? You said no offense. Basically, no offense to anybody yeah, who's this. Uh, and the last one is just polyamorous Christians, as we <laughs> talked about earlier in the show. If that sounded <laughs> that random to you, go get ears. the podcast yes. and go listen, because we had a lively discussion <laughs> about it. All right. I feel cleansed. I feel ready to go. I feel much happier, much freer for being able to do that. Right now, we have a great social media water cooler question up for the week, and we would love to hear from you. Brian, you want to tell the people what we're uh, asking them? Yeah, we're asking, are there songs that, that put you back to a spot, that give you a specific memory yeah. other than your wedding? Not your because wedding Because we didn't want, you know, all Stephen Curtis Chapman songs in, the, in our list. So, like, graduation, <laughs> it could be... <laughs> it could be uh It could be graduation, that this one yeah. song, or this song moves me back to high school, or mm-hmm. when we had our first child, or yeah. when my wife or uh, spouse and I started dating, whatever yeah. else it might be. Like you said, we thought this would be funny. It's turned somewhat it's emotional. It's turned a little emotional yes. and, and quite meaningful for people. So we'd love to hear from you. What is that life event song other than your wedding song? All right, Brian. Uh, one of the things we've talked, okay, we've talked about a couple things, and the worlds are melding. So I want to talk about this. We've talked about our top five Chris's on mm-hmm. a top five list, and we've also talked a lot about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. So let's begin with our top five Chris's. I can't remember who your number one was. I don't remember. Okay, so we, but like on our list, we had Chris Hemsworth, we had Chris Farley, we had Chris Evans, Chris Rock. I feel like mine might have been Chris Farley. Yours might have been Chris Farley. Yeah. My number one was Chris Pratt, who we're going to talk about in just a minute. I love Chris Pratt. I love him in Gardens of the Galaxy. I love his faith that he's living out loud. I love Jurassic Park. I said to you before, I think he's the new Harrison Ford. Uh, but okay, so we've got Chris Pratt. That's one category. Another category is cancel culture. Can you explain for the people what cancel culture is? Yeah, it, it is um, society or culture or who, whatever group of people saying we're done with you because you said this, yeah. you believe this, yeah. um, whatever else it might be. Think right now, Will Smith. There you right? go. He's mm-hmm. having movies canceled. He's having projects stopped, and you might think that's worth it or not. But also what's really happening and what we're about to get into here as well is um, what about things like, hey, I'm a Christian, and therefore you assume all these beliefs about me, and now we can't have you as an actor, or we can't have you as a pitch man, or we can't have you as a part of our – and what it is turning into is tribalism, right? Like I won't be a part of what you're doing. And so – we quote unquote cancel people for political reasons, mm-hmm. for religious reasons, mm-hmm. for uh, things that used to be opinions where we could debate right, them, but right. no longer are we able to do so. Right. Okay. So I'm glad that was the perfect description. And actually, before we even go into the story, I spoke at the Christian Working Women Conference over the weekend. I think I mentioned it on Monday and was in charge of leading a candid conversation on cancel culture and uh It was the largest. uh, There were several of these candid conversations held that day. Mine was the largest attended because so many Christians are navigating this in their workspaces, especially in schools and especially in the healthcare system. Mm. How do we navigate our Christian beliefs when, you know, we're being boxed in in certain ways? And then on the other hand, like 
how do Christians be really mindful not to cancel non-Christians simply because, you know, they don't have the same like values that we have? How do you build bridges of love? Anyway, it's a complicated layered conversation. And I would say like sometimes this is what we do in our culture, right? Everything's black and white. There are times people should be quote unquote canceled. Canceled is way too big of a word, Mm -hmm. but like. I there think are consequences. Yes. There are, whether it be somebody like Bill Cosby or a pastor who has fallen, but also yeah. there is also times, and we talked about this earlier in the show today, to break fellowship, yeah. if you will, over uh, questionable beliefs. Yes. And this, and so not every church has to like keep somebody because we don't want to cancel yeah. them. We still love and we still mm-hmm. do this. You don't cancel people. Right. Uh, but that's why there's some nuance to this. But where this story is going... Crazy. Yes. Okay. So I think we've built it up enough. I think I can get into the story now. But Chris Pratt, my number one Chris of all the Chris's, is possibly being canceled because of his faith. There was a story in Newsweek. Basically, Marvel just put out their new um, their new movie trailer for Thor: Love and Thunder, which is a Marvel movie. I'm so excited about it. My kids and I like waited for this trailer to come out. We've watched it four times. We've watched the Easter egg videos nice. about it. Like we're very excited. But um, uh, Chris Pratt's character, who is known as Peter Quill in the Marvel world, he's part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. He's shown in part of this trailer, so he's going to be part of the movie. Okay, and. People started freaking out online, some in a very good way, but a lot in a very terrible way, because though Chris Pratt has never publicly expressed his views on sexuality, he has had scripture verses on his Instagram before. He's very open about being a follower of Jesus, but people have looked at the church that he attends and says that that church is homophobic and Mm. therefore Chris is homophobic. He's bigoted, etc., and they are trying to cancel him. They're saying Marvel should not let him be in the movies. They're saying that um, absolutely he needs to be replaced. But then other people are saying, look, just because he's religious, you can't actually cancel him. There's zero evidence that he holds on to any kind of homophobic or bigoted views. You're trying to cancel someone who actually doesn't exist. This is a stereotype of someone. And the other people are saying, look, it's not because he's religious. It's because he attends and supports a megachurch that believes in conversion therapy. So basically the question is, is Chris Pratt being canceled? And I think is this, I think one, is this fair? Sure. And then two, like if there, if we do live in an increasingly anti-Christian society, if even a guy as successful as Chris Pratt can be canceled like what does this mean for us yeah and to be clear he's not actually being canceled right, as in right. the people who are in charge of the movies they're are not like, firing him they they're said not. he will he will yeah undoubtedly be part of this going yeah. forward so this is more of a fringe group but i yeah. do think and you might be thinking what kind of church does he go to he actually goes to get an offshoot of a hillsong church, yeah, he goes to Zoe church I think. Yeah. Uh, and so you know we're not talking about some cult somewhere right. or whatever else right. it might be uh, Aubrey, I think this is just emblematic of the times that we live in. That if you don't line up with everything that in this case Hollywood believes in, or yeah. if you don't line up with everything, then you're done with. And I think we as Christians need to um, be prepared for that. Yeah. I think we need to wrestle with that. And we need to decide where we're okay being canceled and where we're not. Yeah. Like, okay, this uh, over this issue, I am willing to take the bullets for. Mm-hmm. And on this one, I want to mm-hmm. provide greater clarity. Yeah. And this one... Because really, Chris Pratt is people are wanting to, quote unquote, cancel him, not for what he has said. Right. But for Who he's kind of a six with. degrees of separation yeah. or maybe in this case, a two degrees of right, separation. Right. 
And, you know, well, he hasn't come out and disavowed them or this. But I do think the greater call here for us as Christians is to go, this is the trajectory of the world that we live in. And what's that look like? How do we function in Mm -hmm. this sort of society? Mm -hmm. Where do we do we join in? Do we? uh, And I think these are going to be very difficult things to wrestle with because this is we say this about a lot of things. This is moving fast. This feels like it's moving so fast. Canceling of people, especially around beliefs around sexuality. Yeah, I would say primarily around beliefs of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're getting lumped into a certain uh, you're this, you're this, you're this, and you are a bad person. You're to be done away with. And I think we just need to know that, that that is who what's going on right now. Yeah. So Chris Pratt went on to defend his church, basically talked about how his church community was there for him every step of the way when he went through his divorce, even though the Bible says, you know, some things about divorce that are hard. He said, my church was there gracefully walking with me. They helped me tremendously. And then he said, ultimately, my values define who I am. We need less hate in the world, not more. I am a man who believes that everyone is entitled to love who they want, free from the judgment of their fellow man, he wrote. Then Pratt added, this is what guides me in my life. He is a God of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Hate has no place in my or in this world. So that's how Chris is choosing to respond. Anyway, Brian, I think you're exactly that right. response might cause some really yeah. conservative people to want to cancel him. I was just him. thinking that. He's like, going to get it from both he's sides. He's going to get it from both sides now. So anyways, we, think, we keep thinking about what it means to live as a Christian in this sort of cancel culture society. We're going to have to keep watching for stories like this and figure out the best way to keep going. It certainly is interesting, Brian. You know, every once in a while, Brian, we like to talk about, I mean, we talk about heavy things on Mm. this show. We talk about the war in Ukraine. We talk about the church falling apart. We talk about darkness. I mean, just, you know, some heavy, heavy things. But we like to do palate cleansers every once in a while. Something like a Grinds My Gears, which we did earlier in the show. By the way, if you've missed any of the show, we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast. But um, this is, Brian, this is something that I thought was so funny. I read a tweet from a guy named Sean Smucker. And uh, here's what he says. And then we'll kind of enter into our conversation. This is about hilarious things that older people do. And he (laughs) said, I'm eating a bowl of total cereal, mostly because I'm old. And I've grown suspicious of cereals that don't smell at least a little bit like you'd something you'd scoop out and feed a horse. I'm going to read that again. I'm eating a bowl of total cereal, mostly because I'm old and I've grown suspicious of cereals that don't smell at least a little bit like something you'd scoop out and feed a horse. Isn't that funny? It's really true. I thought that's so true. So I thought based on that tweet, we could have a conversation about things, funny things that have happened since we've aged. And I found a, a very, very good list online. This list 40, is hilarious. It's so good. 40 hilarious things only people over 40 do. Okay. First, uh, let's go back to the cereal. Has your cereal taste changed in the past several decades? Uh, it's even funnier than that. I've stopped eating cereal. Come on! Because... Uh, it, Years ago, Carrie and I did like that whole 30 diet or yeah, whatever it uh-huh. was, and I lost all taste for milk. <gasps> no way. I did. And so now it makes me feel really gross. So I used to eat cereal all the time, and now I just stopped. 
it's wow. weird. I never know what to eat for breakfast, but yet, wow, this is this whole conversation screams to me like my my favorite commercial that's on television right now of the guy who's like trying to make sure you're not your parents. <laughs> the Geico commercial. And those the are reason good. <laughs> those commercials are so funny is because we feel ourselves. I joked. It's I told true. you before. They're I'm true. a week a week from today. I turned 45 years old, and wow. you're like, that's really feeling old. How did that and, happen? Uh, like the one, the most recent commercial where the guy's like, we don't have to print out the internet. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so true. Oh, so, so, so funny. So my cereal, I used to love Rice Krispie Treats cereal, which is definitely a kid cereal. Yes. And probably if you put it in front of me, I'm going to eat a bowl of Rice mm-hmm. Krispie Treats. But I, I also don't eat cereal anymore, Brian. But when I do, it's always like Special K. You know what I mean? Or like the three reasonable grade. cereal. Yeah, exactly. So that one was funny. Okay, so here's some things from this list, Brian. This one's really funny. So people over 40, they use the definite article even when it's entirely unnecessary. So this is something like the Facebook, the Google, the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Kevin's dad, Kevin's dad didn't do this, but he would end everything in an S. So Twitter's. Facebooks. Are you running to Targets? Like <laughs> JC Penny. Well, JC Penny's that works. Everything's like, within it. Yeah, everything ends. So number this. two on this list of all of them is me right now. This is you right this now. This is me. Uh, number two of this list says this. They let out slight groans when bending over. Uh, this is so funny because... Yeah. I feel like my back hurts at all things. Yeah. So my kids were mocking me the other day because I was standing up. I was getting out of like the couch. And I was like, oh, and they're like, was that difficult? I'm like, yes, everything's difficult, difficult right okay. now. But just this whole bending over. I feel like my uh, I feel like my balance is off. Like I've got to like, whoa, hold on to that thing. And I'm like, why am I holding on to that? Thing? I just stood up this one. Is so true. And they uh, say, obviously, some of you are in real pain. Right, but for right, a lot right. of us, when we're getting over 40, it's like, we whoa, just have to. Like, everything's uh, like I'm on a moving boat and everything hurts at this exact moment. We all have like sea legs. Like you can't get our land legs back. Even you describing that, Brian, all of a sudden I feel the need to stretch. Like, oh, my back hurts. Oh, my I shoulders are Carrie, tight. I said to Carrie the other day, this is the conversation we have now. It's like, oh, my back sore. I was getting Advil. And I'm like, oh, my back sore. She, her first answer was, yes. So is mine. <laughs> just, it's, like, it's not like either of us are running marathon doing right, this. It's right. just like, oh, I'm just sore. I'm just so old. Okay, this one's, I'm skipping down to number five because this is so me. They get very upset when younger people don't wear their coats. <laughs> yes. And that's so me. I'm constantly angry. Like, one of my kids, like, where, why would you wear a coat to school? But then even just strangers on the street, I'm like, why doesn't that person have their coat on? That is so ridiculous. I feel like, the why same do way. I care? I feel the same way with people who wear shorts when it's cold. Yeah, like, what yes. are you doing? Right. Uh, I'm going back up to number four here. Okay. They get very excited about finding their car in a parking lot. <laughs> That's so true. I, I wish that wasn't true of me, but I'm like... Oh, there it is. What row am I in? Oh, I remember what I row remember. I'm in. There it is. And like, you're like, I need to push the button so it blinks. Like, no, that uh, one's so true. Yeah, that one, that one is a really good one. Uh, going back up to number two. I don't do this, but my dad does this. They sign texts and Facebook messages with their names. Like they say what they're going to say and then end with like, sincerely, my dad will be like, from Larry. And I'm like, I know it's from you, dad. It's on your Facebook wall or it's on, you texted it to me. So you don't know Larry. It, so that's a good one. Uh, this one here, man, this is fun. This is, this is so much of my life right now. <laughs> uh, you know that almost all the time when we're together, I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Yes. And that's because of number 10. 
their clothes are chosen for comfort and not style. <laughs> I am wearing shoes currently that don't have laces. They're just slip-ons. <laughs> I am wearing a, a everything yeah, has, everything accurate. is like, like a blanket on me yep. I, because I don't care what you think about <laughs> you personally, anybody. I do right. not care what you right. think about what I'm wearing. <laughs> there was a day, you remember you're in college, you're like, oh, does this work? Is this right? Is this... Oh, is this what the cool kids are wearing? Now I'm like, give me my favorite hooded sweatshirt. Give me my slip-on shoes, and I'm good to go. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going through these lists, and some of them are just so funny. Um, they're obsessed with turning out all the lights. That's very true at my house, Like especially at night. I go through, and I make sure all the lights are... I have turned into that guy yeah, who gets, like... not only turns off like my my kids but, like, leave, you yell at your kids. and I follow them and turn everything off yeah. that I can. But yes, exactly. I yell right. at my kids. Turn I'm like, off the lights. these lights aren't free, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I totally do that too. Light bulbs are expensive. We pay for electricity. You know what I do do though? Like if what? we are like at a hotel, I leave everything on on purpose. Uh, Cause you Just, can. Yes. You're like, I have the power. Okay. This one's actually really funny. Cause this is so me. They experiment with fonts. Anyone who sends an email written in 18 point comic sans or hell, heaven help us curls. MT is definitely over 40. I love experimenting with fonts, not in professional emails, but like to friends or when I'm posting. That is very fun for me. So I'm definitely aging myself, apparently. Uh, They talk about singing along with elevator music. I don't sing along with elevator music, but I sing along with everything. (laughs) Uh, I sing along and especially around my kids. Like I just... uh, Yeah, I just want them to know that I know songs. And I have... it's bigger than that. I've taken, I've gotten to that age now where I take great joy in embarrassing and annoying my children. Isn't that fun? It really is. I love that. And they, yes. and, and it works. You know what I'm it really, you know what I'm really good at? What? Annoying my children. <laughs> that should be on this list. I have a skill at it and it's wonderful. Okay. Can I just read number 32 here? Yes, please. So I'm not fully at this point, but it really, I'm on the pathway to this. Okay. They walk into a room and then can't remember why they went in there. <laughs> I do that often. My memory is just <laughs> going. Like, sometimes I'm like, do I have an issue? Because is you're just wrong? like, yeah. And someone who's older than me said to me, oh, your, your long-term memory will be great. So you can remember the past, but you won't remember why you walked into this room or why. And I'll be like. I have my notes right now. Yeah. I, I use it all the time yeah. to just remind myself. Totally. Uh, we did grinds my gears before, and I took notes like, okay, to got to talk about what it was ge- because I knew if I yes. waited, I would go. I, I had a good grunge, idea, but I can't remember it at all. <laughs> oh so that one's gosh. great. Well, there, this list is a forty hilarious things you can find it at bestlifeonline.com. dot com. I got to share one with you. It's a little bit of a confession. This is number twenty one. They spend way more money they used to on lotion. I just spent. Quite a bit of money that I made on lotion, and I don't feel bad about it. It's definitely an investment at this age. Number 40, the last one, they need to rest their eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I... I had LASIK surgery a long time ago, so I still have pretty good eyesight, but yeah. it's going. Yeah. And sometimes I just need to look away from everything just to, but my wife has probably, uh, like, we have readers. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Like, right. not real glasses, just readers. Kevin has readers, yeah. But I think they're, I think they're multiplying. Like, I think they're having little reader babies because we have reader More glasses. showing up. I'm like stepping on them. I'm sitting on them. There's four over there. Then, of course, Carrie can't find them. She's like, where are my readers? And I'm like, 
They're like they're everywhere. everywhere. They're like rabbits. They're everywhere around our house. And so I'm getting to that point. But this idea uh, of resting your eyes resting is true. Resting your eyes. That Happy is so 40, true. Happy 40, almost 5th birthday to yep, me, man. This, this is, is so this true. This one is for Brian. Happy almost 45th birthday to him. All right. At the end of every show, we'd love to give you something challenging to think about or something inspiring. And Brian, this is both challenging and maybe inspiring. Lessons for all of us. This is Seven Worst Pastoring Mistakes, written by a guy named Joe McKeever over at Mm. churchleaders.com. And I know not all of us listening are pastors, but I think this is good for all of us who are following Jesus to think about, because some of this is very relatable. Before we dive in, though, Brian, what's the worst mistake you've made as a pastor? Maybe that's too hard of a question. What are some mistakes you've made as a pastor? Yeah, that's a great question. Can I just go? I'm still stuck on what we did earlier about things <laughs> that you aging? do when you're older. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, can I tell you one that you do? Yeah. That I'm sure your kids don't do. What? You add the dot com to everything. Oh, totally. Hey, we're over at church yeah, leaders. I dot- do. I do. I do. The, you know what Kevin does? Kevin also will say backslash, blah, 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 blah. And I think now you're just supposed to say slash. Like you don't say backslash for it. You just say slash. But yes, I do say dot com. You do. You're like, yeah. I was over at churchleaders.com. Like people thought that like, you were actually over at like right, some church right, leaders. Right, yes. Right. Uh, but yeah, these. Uh, these mistakes, I think, I'd like to think that I've grown from some of these. And I've talked to you about kind of bigger personality ones, like caring too much what people yeah, think of me or yeah. this or that. But uh, I think one big mistake I have made and probably continued to make is not um, intentionally disconnecting well. Oh, so, interesting. You know what? I'm not doing any church work today. Wow. I'm taking a day. Uh, I'm going to go and, you know, I've had a sabbatical. I've done stuff like that. Yeah. But it, especially with our phones and with our, our you know, laptops always buy you in this. It can be really easy even at the end of the day to be like, oh, while I'm watching this game, I'm going to just kind of mm. reply to some emails and the keeping you can't run that hot all yeah, the time. That's and true. so that's true. I think that's one for me. How about you? Um, I, I mean, I'm sure there are like. I love people too much. Yeah, I love too hard. You know, I, I think I probably. I'm sure that there are like dumb things I've said while preaching. Like those would probably be like the worst mistakes I've ever made. Let's be honest. I once swore from Uh, the stage. You did? Accidentally. (gasps) Did you like, did you accidentally swear because you like stumbled on a word or like did the swear word came out and then you're like, oh, a little bit of both here. Here's what it was. And I will do this without getting us fired. So I will appreciate that. We will not need to dump this. I was, uh, I was getting passionate and I was talking about, um, that a lot of us live with a lot of, I I was meant to say, a lot of you are carrying a lot of shame and guilt around. Oh, I know what you're about to say. And I combined the beginning of shame and the end of guilt. Yeah. Oh, that actually kind of worked. Well, that's the problem. Oh, so people thought you were. It actually works well in that sentence. Yeah. I did not acknowledge it. Oh, you did I blew through it. But it was really funny because I was looking out as I did it. I was like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I just did that. Yeah. And, you know, people, they have this glazed look on their face right, when you're right, preaching. Right. People are just kind of. Not you when can I'm see, preaching. I understand. Yeah. People are this, that. And all of a sudden, I saw people who weren't paying attention like, come to away. life. They're like nudging their spouse. Did he just say? And I just blew through. I that never acknowledged fantastic. it. Yep. I actually like that. I think uh, mine, I I think the other thing is probably like not pursuing people I should have that were like leaving the church 
But because my ego got in the way, mm. I didn't go after them. I think those would probably be some of my worst yeah. pastoring mistakes. Yeah. Okay, so Joe McKeever has an interesting list, Brian, and I actually have some mixed feelings about his list. So I'm anxious to hear what you have to say, okay? He's been a, a pastoral ministry for, he's been a preacher for 60 years, a pastor for 42, okay? So he's been in ministry a really, really long time. And these are some of his uh, worst mistakes. First of all, he says pastoring mistakes come with the job. So, mm-hmm. like, don't feel bad about that. That's life. But he has seven. He says, one, I should have found a mentor early in ministry and made good use of him. Mm. And I, there, there's some real truth to that one. I think all of us in ministry need mentors who are ahead of the mm-hmm. game and have run the race to kind of help us move through our seasons. Yeah. And our seasons of arrogance and overindulgence and self-pity just to remind us like what it's all about. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, two, he says, I wish I had become a better, more disciplined student of the word. Mm-hmm. I think we would all agree with that. Um, three, this is where I get a little, and you'll have to tell me what you think about this because I'm doing this, but I wish I had made myself buckle down and begin to write books over 30 years ago hmm. he says all along i wanted to write books i did write a couple but i i didn't really do anything with them um and i think i i pushed back against that a little bit in my soul and this is unfair of me to say because i am a book writer but because that felt too performance driven performance driven like why did that matter that you were writing books or not but maybe for him it was like a dream yeah that he never fulfilled maybe he said looking back i had things to share but the one thing as as one who has never written a yeah. book uh, I think if you started earlier, maybe also he'd say you'd become better more quickly, right? Mm, you, good uh, point. Good point. But I, I would also say, uh, sometimes I'm not sure we need more books from young people. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we need more books from people who like have seasoned. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. People like who would serve as mentors, if yeah. you would. Yep. Okay. Uh, number four, I failed to master the craft of preaching early enough. I think that's mm. an that's an interesting one. Five. I wish I had achieved a proper balance in my self-confidence and kept it. That's That's, interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting one. Let me read the last two, and then you can respond to one if you want to, Brian. I wish I'd had a stronger, more consistent prayer life throughout all the years. Amen to that. Seven, I regret that I was not a consistent and persistent soul winner for much of my Mm. ministry. I thought that one was an interesting one. So uh, any of these stand out to you personally? You know, Billy Graham, remember when he was near the end and he said, think about all that Billy Graham did. And Billy Graham said, if I could go back, I would have read the Bible and prayed more. Yeah. And I do think that sounds so basic, but man, it's so true, right? Mm -hmm. We spend so much time running and running and running at our own power. And Mm. I think God's like, hey, let's slow down. I got that. And so I do get that. It doesn't mean that right now I'm praying more and reading my Bible more than I used to, but I, I resonate with that one. And then... It is interesting to hear someone at the end just be like, I wish I had spent more time like talking about Jesus to non-believers. Right. Like, right. I don't feel like I do that. Right. I feel like I'm, right. all my life is is talking to Christians, talking to Christians. And so mm-hmm. I, th- I find that to be a challenging one. Yeah, I found that one very, very convicting. And and he says when he brought a pastor or evangelist to our church, I would take him visiting with me in order to learn from him. And basically the pastoral work got in the way of that, that kind of evangelist mm. work. So I think that's. These are interesting things for all of us as we follow Jesus to think about. But I like that call, Brian, to pray more, read the word of God more, to live in God's power, not our own. Well, we hope that encourages you today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.